I am sitting here on Dunk360.com alongside a living legend, the one and only human highlight film, Dominique Wilkins, here in studio today. And honestly, the only reason we even have a chance to bring you in to studio today, Dominique, is because you're in town for a great cause, and I know it affects a lot of families around the U.S. Speaking personally, my grandmother deals with it, and I know that that's something that you developed a little bit after your playing career. You could talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, uh, diabetes is something that runs in my family. My father and grandfather both died from diabetes, and out of eight brothers and sisters, I'm the only one with diabetes. But I found I was a diabetic a year after I retired, and so I decided at that point that I wasn't going to let diabetes do to me what it did to my father and grandfather, that I was going to manage it, and I was going to educate myself and do the best that I could to stay healthy. And I lost 32, 34 pounds in two and a half months, just changing my diet, getting on medication and exercising. It's that simple. And I've been given a kind of a, a great platform to talk about diabetes with Norval Nordisk Pharmaceuticals is to help educate people on diabetes through three things, diet, exercise, and medication. So we've come up with this website called the Diabetes Dream Team website. And what that website is to give people healthy options but it also gives them a chance to build their own dream team. And what the dream team is, is people who, uh, that you're close to to help hold you accountable for managing your disease. How do you work with the families of those affected? Well, I, I do a lot of uh, patient, uh, patient doctor uh, speeches where I kind of help bridge relationship between the doctor and the patient. And just give them, again, uh, some of the things that I've, been through to manage my disease and you know when oral medication wasn't getting me to my my goal I had to go with more uh, I would say traditional measures and to manage my disease so I start taking a non-insulin injection which has been great for me it really helped me balance my my sugar levels out but more importantly keeps me healthy and again it's that whole educational side that we don't have as a whole Um, and so what I do, I go to these different cities, like here in New York, going to a big convention center tomorrow, where we're going to have probably about 3,000 to 8,000 people come out. There. Yes. And so we're going to do a big, big function there where people come out. I can tell them a life story and things that I've done and let them ask questions. And so I can help them manage their diabetes or people in their family manage their diabetes. Now, I know it doesn't happen often, but sometimes you do encounter the professional athlete that has to deal with playing while being diabetic. How much differently would that person have to sort of operate his lifestyle versus some of his other peers? Well, when you're, when you're an athlete, and no matter what level of athlete you are, if you're a diabetic, and sometimes you don't even know you're diabetic because diabetes is very hard to detect when you're in great shape because you're constantly burning off the calories, burning off the sugar, so you don't feel it. And people ask me all the time, would I or could I have played longer if I knew I was diabetic? And the answer is no, because you're in such great shape, you didn't, you didn't see it, you didn't feel it. it w- it's not until life slows down and you stop exercising, but you're still eating the same food, where you find out you have the same problem that everybody else in this country has who's dealing with diabetes. And it's family history as well. And looking into your career on the court, I mean, much of it, <laughs> really, we don't even go, need to go into much detail. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you said in the New York Post about Carmelo Anthony. And, and it's something that a lot of fans really agree with, with him being a superstar. How did you personally, when you weren't on a team that wasn't so great 
when it was surrounded around you, how did you sort of weather Well, that? you got to become a, more of a leader. You, you, that's when your, your leadership role really has to step up because you got to get them guys who are struggling with their game, struggling with their confidence. That's when being the best player on that team, you got to get those guys to rally around you and believe in what you're trying to push and trying to teach them. So, again, that, that leadership role in certain teams is more prevalent than others. And he has to do, especially in this city, he really has to do that. I mean, I feel for I've been in the same situation, you know, where, you know, you got some players, but you need a little bit more help. And he definitely needs a little more help. But until that time comes, he has to really step his leadership role up. And I think he would eventually do that because he's getting to points in his career where you're not getting any younger. So you got to do it now. And so, but they definitely need to get him a few more players to <laughs> help with. There's no question. I think. You know, what people, uh, you know, when, when they look at that, what I said, and they may kind of look at it a, a little differently. Because when you talk about leadership role, what you're saying is that you're giving a guy the confidence that you are our leader. You can do more if you want. It's up to you. You think you think this year what he did, you know, pretty much with the forecast that he has, that it was probably one of his best career years statistically, that it's a step up into him being a leader for the team? Well, you know what I think. You know, it's a combination of things that you have to do when you're when you're an elite player. When I was in Atlanta, you know, I didn't have the super superstar players, but I had some very good players, and we won a lot of games. You know, we came short of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals or a championship several times. But at the same time, teams knew when they played against us, they had to bring their hard hat because we was going we was going to war with them. And so if I look back on my career, I don't have any regrets. And I think that's the thing that he has to look at when it's all said and done. Do I have any regrets at the end of the day? What do you think of the overall current level of play in the NBA? I just think guys in our era, I mean, of course, they were hungrier. I mean, the salaries wasn't what it is now. And it was fewer teams. And it was just a competitive, passionate game back then. I mean, if you didn't come to play every night, you got embarrassed, period. I mean, there's games where guys, you would you would come to the game, you wasn't really into the game. Well, by halftime, you knew you were in a game because guys made you look bad out there on the floor. They, they took it to you. And so you had to be prepared to play each and every night. It was so competitive. Guys were so physical, big, skilled players. Do you think the weak play is caused by a lack of fundamentals or should – Young players, should they stay an extra year in college? Well, I think the, I think the year in college gives guys a little more seasoning. Um, you know, if a guy is ready, you're ready. If you're a LeBron James type of kid come out of school, <laughs> hey, look, those type of kids always will prevail. But it's not a lot of those kind of kids around. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of guys need a little bit more seasoning than others. You, 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 you see the guys who came out a little early. They should have stayed in a year or two. You think – Players today, you know, with the whole three-point shooting and spread out, you think, and, and pretty much the rules is just favoring the offensive players more than defense, you think that's more of, like, the league getting soft because of that? Or it's just more of, you know, there's no physicality like it used to be in the 90s? There'll never be that kind of physicality ever again. You know, not unless the rules go back the way we play. <laughs> you know, it would never be that kind of physicality. Um, a guy, the thing you got to understand, our bodies was conditioned to take that type of punishment every night. You know, that's why you didn't see some of the injuries then that you see now. I mean, we were conditioned to take the punishment. Uh, and again, 
it made you as an individual, it made you see what really your game was all about. When that physical pressure is on you and people could touch you, they could hit you a little bit, that lets you know what kind of skill you have. If you can get through that type of physical play, it shows you what type of player you were and it, and it measures your greatness with other great players. We're talking to Dominique Wilkins here on Slam City, dunk360.com. And you were talking with Jeremy, our producer, before, you know, when we were getting things set up, that you feel like many people in the media don't really respect the opinions of those who came before and who played longer. Well, I think they look at it the wrong way. I think, think they look at it as uh, old guys hating, yeah, they, they're jealous, and uh, whatever the case may be, and it's not that. I think when we have an opinion, they quickly to discredit it because they think we're trying to discredit these young guys. We're not. They're great players today. These are great players. I mean, we're not taking anything from them. But don't discredit who we are either. And that's, that's all that's about. Do you think kids now are working on their three-point game more and that's why it's so prevalent in today's NBA? Well, you know, I, I just think, you know, with the changing, the rule changing and um, the way the game is played, there's more hybrid players than – Guys who play, if you're a small forward, you're a small forward. If you're a power forward, you're a power forward. Guys play multiple positions because of the physical play is not what it was. So you can play multiple positions now. Speaking of hybrid players, the team that you still represent as a vice president for, the Atlanta Hawks, they took a big series against Boston just yesterday. How do you think that team sort of found its identity off of that 60-win season last year? Well, uh, again, these guys are... Our guys uh, love playing with one another. Uh, they have great chemistry. Coach has put a system in place where they, they really abide by. They, they, they really run that system, and guys accepted it. But I think losing last year in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals really taught us something, that if, if, we, if we play our game and, and we're healthy, that we can play with anybody. So, uh, I, you know, I give us a good chance in this series as well as anybody else. So it, it, the thing is about the playoffs, you take them one game at a time, not look too far ahead. What, what do you think they have to do against the Cowboys? Because last year, you know, there was injuries that really slowed them down. And then this year now they're healthier and, and they got their identity back, they beat the Celtics. What they got to do? I just think more on? consistency on offense. That's, that's the key to our team. I, I don't worry about defense with our team. We play defense. I just think uh, this consistency on the offensive end is going to be the difference. What do they got to do guard LeBron James, though? You know what? LeBron going to get his. You just can't let the supporting cast get theirs, too. You know, so the great players are going to always find a way to get theirs that you have to slow everybody else down. Now, we had Shabazz Muhammad here earlier today, and one thing he asked us to, to ask you, which you could tell everybody else, what were some things that you did to get your vertical to the point where you had it? Well, I think my mom prayed a lot before I was born. <laughs> just a God-given talent. <laughs> so, so that basically that's what it was. But I did things to really strengthen my legs. You know, I did leg extension, and I ran. I ran track in high school too. I hold my high school rec record at a quarter mile. So I was a quarter mileist, high jump, triple jump. So track gave me more endurance for basketball, and I was. I mean, I was a really, really fast player in high school. So when you talked about, you know, being a track athlete when you were in high school, you don't see too much of that nowadays. Do you think it's time for people to kill all the specialization talk with their kid playing one sport all year round? I think kids should play multiple sports. 
I really do. I've played multiple sports. I played baseball, played football until I got hit one time and I took my pads off on the field because I, I remember waking up. So I quit football. <laughs> but track was my favorite. I love track and field. I was, the, uh, I was the anchor on the mile relay team. And I think when you're in track and field, especially when you're a sprinter, I mean, it does so much for your basketball game. It really does. It helps you with that endurance. What you, to, you know, speaking on your vertical leap, what, what did you think of the dunk contest that's today? Because it was it, great. This year they brought it back. It was missing up to this point. To did this Aaron point. Gordon did Aaron Gordon win or did Zach Levine win? What do you think? If I had to go on the line, I I'd probably say Gordon won. <laughs> <laughs> but both of those guys put on a, an, an amazing show. I was really proud of both of those guys and what they did. Where will you put that in terms of, because, you know, you've been with the it's legendary. It's in the top three. Top three? Top three, well, wow. number one, you and Jordan. I mean, is that a trick question? And you and you won, didn't you? Be real. You won you that you dunk contest, you that. didn't yeah, you? you Probably. <laughs> but you know what the thing was, the most important? The fans got what they paid for. That's the biggest thing. They got what they paid for in that dunk contest. And then we had no props. We didn't miss dunks. And it just used our – we did dunks that we did in the game. So it was – you know, it's nothing Michael or I worked on. It's, it's it just all spontaneous. Before we let you go, can you let us know a little bit more about tomorrow's event and how people could get involved and raise awareness for diabetes? Again, uh, you know, come to the clinic. We have them tomorrow. And two is that uh, we oftentimes push that – People go to our website, thediabetesdreamteam.com. That's a great website for great information. If you can't make it, go to that website. Enough said. Once again, Dominique Wilkins, Hall of Famer, and quite frankly, one of the better interviews I've ever had in my career. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, bro. Yeah, thank you.